Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, February 12th, 2022. I'm guessing at one time or another, all of us have felt like we were begging Jesus for something. However, we're going to see three examples from of people begging Jesus for something today, and we might not relate to them in quite the same way that we have thought about that. There are three incredibly different examples of people begging uh, Jesus to do something. And I guess people, I should rethink that term even, because one time it is demons that are begging Jesus. So let's look at our New Testament portion this Saturday, uh, Matthew 8, 28 through 34, Mark 5, 1 through 20, and Luke 8, 26 through 39. And in these, we see the account of Jesus healing a demon-possessed man. And this one's maybe a little more famous of an episode because uh, the demon reveals his name to be Legion, for we are many. And the demons are cast into a herd of pigs that then run into the sea. But the demons had clearly been afflicting this man, or even from one of the accounts, a couple of men, uh, right? And it says here, we'll look mostly at the account in Mark today, Mark 5. It says that this man lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. What a miserable thing, both for this man who seems to be afflicted, also the terror he must inflict on others, even as he they try to bind him and he breaks shackles and chains. What what a power this demon had. But as Jesus comes along, this man falls down before Jesus. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And so there we see that there you know, calling out to Jesus and adjuring him, later we'll see begging him not to torment. And after he reveals his name to be Legion, for we are many, in verse 10, it says, and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. So we're going to see three beggings, and we want to learn something from each one of these beggings here. And the first is the demon begging Jesus not to send him out of the country. That should just be a powerful statement to all of us of the power of Jesus Christ. This demon was powerful. I mean, breaking shackles, breaking chains. Yet this powerful demon realizes it has no power in the face of Jesus Christ. And this demon is even begging Jesus because it knows that Jesus has the power. That's the first thing we want to see in these three different beggings is just be reminded of the power of Jesus Christ. The demons are not just freely working whatever their will is without being subject even to the power of Jesus Christ. If Jesus tells a demon to leave the country, it's it's gone. 
right? They know that Jesus has the power. We should trust that even though we live in a dark world, even though there are demonic things going on all around us, we can trust that Jesus is still sovereign. Jesus still has the power and our trust is in him. And Jesus shows the power by casting out the demon. You know, they get sent into this herd of pigs and then they run down and they are drowned in the sea. But this man is now completely changed. Verse 15, that the people come to see what had happened and they see Jesus and see the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The change in this man is so drastic that they are afraid. Seeing this man now sitting clothed and in his right mind it is so shocking to them. And then look at what it says, you know, once they hear that, you know, Jesus had cast the demon into the pigs and the pigs had died. It says, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. That's the second begging. These people have seen the power of Christ and the effects of it. And what do they want? They're begging Jesus to leave. That is a shocking statement. Begging Jesus to leave? Why in the world would you do that? Well, Jesus was disrupting their lives. Sure, he healed this demon-possessed man, but all the pigs are dead now. And many maybe were profiting from these pigs. These pigs belonged to some of these people. And now they're losing their money because their pigs are drowned and bobbing up and down in the Sea of Galilee. And so now they're begging Jesus to leave because Jesus is bad for business. Well, think about that. These people cared more about their comfort cared more about just the status quo in their lives than they did about this demon-possessed man being healed. Now, that all might seem very distant uh, to you, but think about your own life. Think about your own culture. Would you be able to just go on living your life just happy as long as you were undisturbed, as long as your business was profitable, as long as your life was fine? Would you be okay with all the people around you suffering as they live their lives in darkness and just follow the prince of the power of the air, would you be totally fine with that? Or would you rather trade, I'll take disruption in my life if it means that Jesus is working and saving the lost? Good question for us to think about as we see these people begging Jesus to leave. I do think sometimes we sell short that if we were to see revival, something I hope we pray for. If we were to see God work in a mighty way, I think we fail to understand that that would disrupt our lives. That would disrupt our churches. Uh, With people coming to Christ, people from all different backgrounds, people that don't know anything about the Bible, that need a lot of discipleship and a lot of help, would we be willing to to do that? Would we be willing to to give that? Or would we rather say, hey, Jesus, you're kind of throwing off my groove here. Can you go somewhere else? May we not repeat the mistake of those people begging Jesus to leave. Now, finally, we see this demon or formerly demon-possessed man, and he is begging that he might be with Jesus. And should not that be the cry of our hearts, those of us who have been set free from sin, those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, should not our heart's desire be, I want to be with you, Jesus? 
Is that the cry of your heart this morning? Is that going to be the cry of your heart this afternoon? Uh, Is that going to be the cry of your heart tomorrow night when you go to bed? Are you going to say, God, I want to be with you. You're the one that has redeemed me. I, I hope it is. But notice again what Jesus says to him. He didn't permit the man to be with him. He said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy, how he has had mercy on you. And that's where we have to admit, well, to some extent, our desire to be with Jesus right now is limited because we can't be with Jesus. He is in heaven and we are here on earth. But as long as we are separated from him in that way, our mission is to tell our friends, to tell others how much the Lord has done for us. So three very different lessons. The demons begging Jesus remind us that Jesus has all the power. Jesus is in control. The the people from that region begging Jesus to leave, showing us the bad example of valuing their comfort and the status quo or their their livelihood or their business more than they really cared about those that were suffering and those that were lost. And finally, the desire of this formerly demon-possessed man to be with Jesus. And we learn those lessons from those different people begging Jesus for those different things. Now let's go back to the Old Testament reading today as we look at Exodus 21 through 23. And now we will see all kinds of various laws that God gives to the people of Israel. That's where a lot of people want to look at this part of the Bible and say, oh, look, it's old, it's outdated, Uh, who cares about any of this? This shows that the Bible is just an old book, it's not relevant to us. No, I want you to read through this prayerfully and actually pray that God would help you see the justice of his ways. And even we see uh, things like restitution and, and the demands that God made for those things, the laws about the Sabbaths and the, and the festivals. Obviously, one part that jumps out is laws about slavery, and we, we think about how we view that today. Well, one verse that should stick out even just um, from that section is verse 15 of chapter 21, where it says, uh, or sorry, verse 16, whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. And obviously, so much of what we see as slavery in the world today, or even especially throughout American history, was based so much on that, a form of slavery that the Bible clearly would have condemned. And even in the slavery that seems to be allowed here, God is clearly setting limits on that. And so let us not try to judge God from our such enlightened modern Western perspective. Let God be the judge. And let's read through this prayerfully and ask that God would show us uh, what, what he wants us to learn in this passage. And as you look at chapter 23, one thing I found interesting is that uh, in verse 29, God says, I will not drive them out from you before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And even though I don't think this is the original meaning of the text here, it just struck me as one of those things that you see in scripture that in some ways does parallel uh, the Christian life and how God, as he leads us forward in sanctification, it's not like when we get saved, poof, we're perfect. Right? He doesn't drive out all the remaining sins from our life in one year, right? Even though sometimes we're like, well, why doesn't he? That, that would make my life better if I didn't sin anymore, right? Well, we got to trust even that God has a purpose 
in that. And we know part of the purpose for the people of Israel was that they would continue to learn to trust him. And even though some of those enemies were still present, they would continue to be faithful and to still do what he said and not to intermix with them or learn their ways or their customs or their gods. And we're going to see them fail that test. As we press forward in sanctification, may we trust God more and more each day. And may our times in the word be something that really help us to do Thanks for digging into God's Word for me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.